Welcome to the Acts 29 U.S. South Central Podcast. I'm Bob Thune, and I'm glad to be your host for this episode. Acts 29 is a global family of church-planting churches. The U.S. South Central Network of Acts 29 is focused on church planting in the states of Nebraska, Kansas, Missouri, Oklahoma, and Texas. On this podcast, we take the best content we have on church planting and church leadership, and we make it available to you to equip and encourage you in gospel ministry. On today's episode of the podcast, you'll hear from my friend Orion Barrage. Orion is the planter and lead pastor of the Avenue Church in Kansas City, and he spoke recently at a conference we hosted on what it means to be a qualified man. If a church planter must be a qualified elder and pastor, according to 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1, what does that look like? That's what Orion is going to share with us. It wasn't a glowing success story after 20 years of seemingly faithful service and six years into a church plant. His marriage was struggling, although no one knew it. He had leaders skimming the offering. He had bills the church couldn't pay and a balloon payment on the mortgage that no bank was going to loan him money on because of the offerings each week. Most of his original team had left the church. It seemed like most of the energy of the staff went into survival rather than the mission that they felt so strong about. And one day, a devoted young lady came into his office struggling emotionally, and he decided to counsel her. Dumb. His wife was right across the hallway, though. He left the door open, and he counseled her. Nothing happened. But the next month... She returned. This time, no wife, a closed door. By the end of the counseling session, she leans in, she kisses him. He doesn't stop her. Then he stops her. He rebukes her. He comes, he tells me, and he tells his wife as if that's hiding what's really happening in his heart. And I think, as a young minister, how could he let it get this way? But I had noticed that he had become depressed. He was no longer trusting God, no longer humble. He manipulated people. He led with shaming techniques, guilt trips, and power dynamics. Everyone knew that there was something wrong. It just wasn't very obvious until it was too late. Faithful members became like sea rats on a sinking ship. We all knew we were getting off. We just did not know when. Six months after I left Heartbroke, the church was no more by God's grace. This is what it looked like for me as a young minister to watch my lead pastor fall and fail in ministry. My job today is to speak to you guys about uh, what it means to be a biblically qualified elder and pastor, why that's important. And what makes it easy is that probably, as I've told that story, a lot of you have the same story or a similar story to tell. But also what makes it hard is that it seems like we're still too willing to lay our hands on men who are not biblically qualified. And so that makes it hard. And it usually ends badly. I feel this message deeply this morning. I feel um, the weight of it. I've been dramatically impacted by this. I've been um, crushed by it, maybe infected by it to some degree. And I wonder why, 
we continue to do it? Why do we not take the word of God more seriously when it comes to the biblical qualifications of an elder? Is it because we're not looking at these passages correctly? Not that we don't know the meaning of them, but that we don't know the context and the purpose of 1 Timothy and Titus. And so we look at them like we're going to the DMV to get our cars tagged, right? Like we got our insurance, we've, um, we've paid our property taxes. Check, I'm a, I'm a good dad. No one's made an accusation against me. I haven't got drunk in a few years. I don't have sister wives, I'm a pastor, right? We get these qualifications, though, from the Bible, from the inspired word of God. Let's read 1 Timothy 3. This saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money, He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be willing, uh, be well thought of by the outsiders, and so that he may not fall into disgrace or into the snare of the devil. Paul adds in Titus a few things that we must not be quick-tempered, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, disciplined, and just ready to rebuke unsound doctrine. I can't break down each of these qualifications today, but, but what I would say that if you don't intimately know what each of these qualifications mean, not just by definition, but also by like real life ministry, you're not yet ready to lead God's church. And as an elder, if you don't know that, you're not yet ready to lay your hands on somebody else to lead God's church. And even saying that sort of like confronts the problem that we look at these passages in a pass or a fail way. You see, Paul's wrapping up his ministry in the world. He knows that his time's limited. And these are young men in Timothy and Titus who will decide who becomes the pastors and leads the next generation of Christ's church. And he chooses in these books at the beginning to to paint a clear picture of who should lead and what a qualified man looks like. Folks, these are not preferences. Like, it'd be great if we could get some church planters or some guys on our staff that had some of these. These are divine benchmarks. These are divine benchmarks given to us by God in the Holy Scriptures, and of which, in this perspective, every church pastor, planter, and elder should be judged. And if we are going to glorify God in starting new churches, let's start with setting in leaders that are qualified biblically. Both of these texts are introduced into the local church context. And not like a clean, smooth uh, church, but, but churches that have bad issues, conflict, and need correction. And in the midst of messy churches, in the midst of sinful church members and all kinds of pressures 
and stressors, elders are called to lead. It's both the context and the content of these biblical qualifications that when we read those this morning, it should create a sense of holy ground around us in God's church. Because they're not just rules to be followed, but these qualifications embody Christ himself. And so it's because of that I have two strong convictions this morning. Is one that a an elder must be biblically qualified because of the, the unique temptations and challenges that they face. And two, an elder must also see these qualifications not as just a litmus test to enter into the pastorate, but as God's ordained tool to keep us growing in gospel dependence upon Christ. We must not look at these qualifications and just say, I'm qualified, but to also say, in what ways would I be disqualified? To learn from them our own heart idolatry and how to apply the gospel to them. An elder reaches and stays biblically qualified by being rooted and grounded in the gospel while being saturated uh, and living in a gospel community. This, I think, is the big gap in our leadership. This is why so many are failing. If gospel depth is what we are after in our churches, the elder must be steeped in this depth of the gospel himself. And if we aren't careful, we will use these texts to modify our behavior and train ourselves for a certain period of time to go, we, we meet most of those, and I'm qualified, but that's not necessarily the same thing as progressive sanctification in Christ. Romans 1.16 says that the gospel is the power of God for salvation, but it's also the way that we cultivate and grow pastors. Colossians 1 says that the gospel is bearing fruit and increasing among us since the day we heard it and understood the grace in, of God in truth. And so it's, it's also the way that we stand in these qualifications. Paul's clear and throughout his writings in these books that we were slaves to sin until the appearing of the glory of God in Christ Jesus our Savior who justified us by his grace through his life, death, and resurrection from the cross and saved us to eternal life, but has also called us to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. My hope is not that we would find a church planter or some pastors who have uh, all of these qualifications without weakness but uh, that we would find men who see Jesus has qualified them for eternal life despite their weaknesses. And that because of that, they have decided to grow in the belief of the gospel until it progressively purges out all the stuff holding them back from being like Christ. This is the noble task of learning to depend on Jesus, to love like Jesus, to serve like Jesus, to grow to be like him, to know him, that man is qualified. And that man 
is deep in the gospel, and he will lead others into that depth. May we read these passages since the holy ground beneath our feet and be obedient as we call men to the pastor. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Acts 29 U.S. South Central Podcast. For more information about Acts 29, go to acts29.com. For information specific to our work in the South Central U.S., visit acts29ussouthcentral.org. I know that's a mouthful, but you can type it. While you're there, you can sign up for our email newsletter. You can learn about our church planter assessment process. And you can find out about upcoming events like our one-day church planting conference taking place in Houston, Texas in October in partnership with Exponential. Again, that website is acts29ussouthcentral.org. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again next time.